today we are so fortunate to have his grace adi guru prabhu from san diego california and prabhu ji will enlighten us on the topic understanding bhima younger brother of yudhishthir understanding bhima younger brother of yudhishthir so thank you prabhu ji please take over hari krishna hari krishna om gyan vedantasya gyan janasilate चक्षुरुष्ठम as a character like all characters of mahabharata are very interesting why is it interesting is because they have they have like some kind of uh, attraction natural attraction to them bhima is one such character which has a very natural attraction to it first of all he was the son of vayudev the vayudev uh, so pandu had a very interesting request his first request he had was to beget a son who will rule the planet or who will be famous all over the planet that was the first request so dharma was called second time padu said to kunti maharani that i want a son who is bala sampant like who is the most uh, who is the most powerful physically that's what he said he should be the most powerful physically and if he is physically more powerful than the bal so kunti maharani thought about it and she called only vayudev like all the devtas are they called it should have called indra chandra agni people are scared of agni a lot today of varun people are scared of water but why nobody is scared of literally only when the hurricane comes or some like a tsunami is there with a the wind but if you look at it the nature then why you is the is the most powerful of all the elements because the fire spreads because of it the water the hurricanes the water lashes on the land because of vayu <coughs> if it is not vayu then the seeds will not spread if it is not vayu then so vayu is practically the most important of all the devta so when pandu asked kunti 
to for the vayu so she calls vayu vayu dev now when the vayu dev comes to see kunti then vayu dev is smiling as if he knows what is going to happen and uh, and vayu dev is smiling that is also very intriguing i was really intrigued that he is smiling indra doesn't smile surya doesn't smile but he is smiling because the one of the natures of the vayu is also very chanchal so the the character of bhim is exactly like that we uh, now is very worshipable for all of us he conquered the direction of east in the rasu yajna right till today's malay desh malay desh means all the islands of yavadweep so suvarnadweep like sumatra all these places yavadweep is known as java today but it's uh, we call it java sometimes because of the spelling but it is locally known as yavadweep and spaniards also call it yava deep dutch and dutch probably with their mostly yava deep so so if you look at the entire mahabharat he is he has done a very important role in the projecting the power of yudhishthira maharaj he was a yuvraj and and with his strength bala he and duryodhan were born on the same date same place same day a few hours bhim was bigger than duryodhan practically but it's the same day they were all they both are considered same day duryodhan was little elder than them he was known to be very uh, you can say speak his mind always without uh, always thinking but he had lot of knowledge also being a vayu putra if you look at it then he was the brother of also hanuman so hanuman is also known as kaun putra he was very well learned in all the scriptures in the shastra and our one of the acharya madhvacharya is considered a incarnation of bhim he if you look at him he uh, followed balram because balram represents strength but Duryodhan was more dear to Balram for reasons we do not know. Some reasons we know, but not all. And this, it is also said, it is also written that uh, after this boy was born, Bhim, once she fell from uh, this one tiger attacked Kunti Maharani. and he fell from the hands of kunti maharani 
So when the rock it fell, the rock broke. So he he had strength right from the very beginning, very strong body. Like I said, he's a putra, he's a son of Vai. And then he was the object of jealousy of Duryodhan. Despite being born on the same day, this boy was very tall and very big body, huge body. In fact, he's shown to be so big that he could carry the rest of the other Pandavas on his own shoulders. Um, just like Hanuman carries Sri Ram, Ram and Lakshman on his shoulders. Same way, he, carry, he could carry if he wanted. That's how strong he was, right from the beginning. And then later on, he, he did not, because his bodily strength was so high, People say that Jarasan chose him because of his size, body size. Because in terms of strength, he could not differ that if Krishna is more powerful than Arjun or Arjun is more powerful than Bhim, all three were looking equally strong. So that is the nature of the Chatriya. To keep themselves healthy. If they're healthy, then the Chatriya can fight. And so the Bhim was also you can see in Mahabharat many places that he becomes angry and he becomes very very angry and uh, and then he shows his like his anger to Yishchir also Yishchir was shocked at his anger Yishchir did not realize that this boy can become so angry at him and he would like to break his arms if he wanted. Cut off his arms. Because he was angry at his apman. He was regularly uh, instigating that uh, Yudhishthira should go and after the first gambling match he should not accept the result and he should just immediately fight. But it was Yudhishthir who stopped him. He said, no, we have to follow the rules. We have accepted and you accept me as a king, your elder brother and king, then we must obey. Because we came here, we knew that there will be, we had already informed them that nothing looks good right now. This is a ploy to take away your kingdom of the Rasuya. Because Rasuya is not an easy yet. And Bhim had the most important region to conquer. So Bhim was sent to the east area, which was controlled by Jarasam. And Jarasam controlled 25% of the earth's landmark. So then practically the whole Asia <coughs> was given to Beam. Difficult area. He went all the way. He defeated all the other kings. And then he came, uh, Beam. He defeated them. And then he was, 
and then he was uh, practically uh, and it, it took him a lot of effort his son gatotkach also was involved and tried till malaya desh and then his son held in uh, collecting taxes from lanka similar desh which was referred to as lanka we do not so that clarification i'll make that which lanka is it is similar desh or lanka because today sri lanka is named in 1972 before that was known as similar desh and also so this dant also maintains is a somewhat similar desh so i'll i'll throw some more light afterwards but uh, he went very difficult job and then he when he comes back Jean is is uh, very angry at the loss in the gambling life. He wants to take away. He's so angry. He's even calls Yudhishthira Maharaj in anger, not in reality, as as impotent. He says that he is not qualified to rule. He's always talking about peace. and uh, Yudhishthir always brought all the five brothers together because he was very calm composed but he was very strong also strong willed Yudhishthir and that's why he was the, the ideal contender to be the king and second in line was Bhim so many important aspects of diplomacy because he was like i said he was very educated nobody like he was the second in line to the throne of mandu he was the heir to the chief maharaj kingdom yudhishthira maharaj wanted to go alone <coughs> so in the first gambling match after they lost to dropti who got them their kingdom back who got the kingdom back for them but in the in and and because of the robbery all the pandavas got their positions also including weapons to robbery's contribution but in if you look at the in the second gambling match he was very much strongly against he was playing despite the trash talk vishnu maharaj himself said Because before the gambling match, he opposes gambling match. But drop the, uh, but Yudhishthira uh, Maharaj because he trusts his calling. So the trust has somewhat similar attitude like team. The trust was also very firmly built. He was a king. and also he he would take you easily take actions without thinking all the sides like what happens in nowadays in different places you see the rashtra problem is there in practically all the rajavamsha because of uh, the way it happened practically all of them have the same problem and the trust 
was very strong in the family built so when he invites yudhishthir back yudhishthir was first of all he he had to obey his orders bhim did not agree with yudhishthir but he came he was always obedient to yudhishthir that is one quality he had always obedient yudhishthir he knew that yudhishthir maharaj when he thinks on something he thinks deeply so he says he joins dropdi in questioning maharaj yudhishthir so why are you not fighting and dropdi tells him tells yudhishthir maharaj that he should go and claim his kingdom back he should fight for it and he should defeat them and uh, and then once he defeats them then it will become easier for them to win back the kingdom and uh, yudhishthir maharaj listens to dropdi listens to bhim very patiently in fact arjun is totally quiet and even though arjun did not agree with what happened but arjun was quiet arjun was not speaking because bhim was his elder bhim was saying arjun was pacifying him and he even goes to an extent that that he wanted to like lift all the kauravas there and kill them all if you would have tried then even dronacharya would have acted against him in the same assembly dronacharya kripacharya bishma dev would have acted against him yudhishthir knew that but it was not a good thing to fight because it would look very it would defeat the very purpose for which they were standing on and also yudhishthir listens to his arguments his arguments were very strong like one of his arguments was that you do not know what is dharma dharma you are acting like a non chatriya this is a big insult to yudhishthir and bhim was one of the pillars of strength of yudhishthir he was not a yudhishthir maharaj <coughs> knew that he is a strong person and and also yudhishthir maharaj consulted him on many important state affairs after the rasi yagya we know that he consulted with him and even if you look at the rasi yagya he was given responsible for preparing food for so many guests millions of people were coming from all over the world not just india to this india people were coming from as far as shakadweep which is europe because arjun had conquered all the northern territories most of the wealth of rajyadishthir was brought in from the north uttar kuru uttar kuru means siberia today siberia and siberia was not a small state siberia was a big state if you look at the map of russia then only the western russia is considered rus rus 
came from Rishi. Rishi. Lot of lot of sadhus used to live there in those areas. The entire east, like uh, if you look at Moscow, a little bit east you go all the way to the Bering Street. Strait is all. In fact, uh, all the lands above Kyrgyzstan and to the east of Kyrgyzstan is all Siberia. That was the official word of even the Russian government. And we all know the history that during the reign of Tsars, the rest of the world was conquered by the Russian Orthodox Church, coming from Moscow. Muscovite, Muscovite. That is the Russian word for Moscow. But most of the West, so Russia, if you remove the Siberia, today is less than one-third or one-fourth of today's Russia, if you remove Siberia region. So big. And anything south of Kyrgyzstan was very much part of the Bharatiya territory. It was not Bharat in Kashmir or these are all later editions, not during that time. <coughs> and when you look at the south part, so Beam not only was supporting Arjun for holding on, Hastinapur was held on by very strong forces. Nobody was worried that people come to... That's why the capital was Hastinapur. Hastinapur is in equal distance from Uttarkuru and Lanka. Equal distance. Therefore, even if you look at Ramayana, all the armies of uh, Sugriva first go towards... first go towards the Hastinapur. From Kishkinda, they come to Astinapur, and from there they go north, east, west, and south. So they did not. So Astinapur, if you look at the old map of Bharat, Jambudi, then Astinapur or Delhi today is Delhi is actually in the center. So many people they when they ask me why always Delhi is chosen, I said this is the reason that Delhi is chosen because it is. Actually, the center of the Dambuji. If you go 2,000 kilometers up, straight north, you'll reach Kurgistan. If you go 2,000 kilometers south, you reach Kerala. So, right in the middle, it is there. And, and from Hassanapuri, whether you go east or west, you'll be still on the land. If you go south southeast, then you reach an ocean again. If you go southwest, then you reach an ocean again. If you straight line you draw in a like a meridian and longitude latitude, then you'll see that it is all going straight. So so Beam was asked to go to the east, more difficult place to go. I mean not in terms of fighting, but it's more uh, fierce enemies are there in terms of strength. But Arjun was given north, which is considered the militarily unconquerable. Because so the more forces put on the north, 
Even the west was Nakul was sent. So you can understand the east and north were the more powerful directions of kings. Nakul was sent to the west and Sede was south. Even today, if you go, even today, the nature of the people is the east of India. Look at the Vietnam, Thailand, and many places. They had always maintained their culture. They are more strong countries in the east of India. Bharat. And the Bharat boundaries are till Burma, Burma Desh. And the, on the west, the boundaries, the actual land of Aryavrat boundaries start Aryavrat boundaries, not Bharat, starts at Afghanistan. Today's Afghanistan, that time Gandhar. That's where the boundary start of the Aryavrat. And if you go north, the Aryavrat boundaries are starts at Kashmir. South of Kashmir, the Aryavrat boundaries start. So that means this region was always very well protected. And uh, the Bhim was naturally opposed it. Bhim wanted to to almost kill Yudhishthira. But Arjun stopped him. Nakul said, you have to be patient. That our strength is Yudhishthira. Because he is the one who keeps all of us together. And we have never disobeyed him. Even in words or even thoughts. Thoughts maybe you never opposed him, not even in the words of you not never opposed him. Because he is he is always protecting us. Even in the Vanvas also. That there we know all the incidents. We are deemed brings all the Pandavas back to life. Sorry, Yudhishthira brings all the Pandavas to life. So, if you look at the character of Bhim, it's like first speaking and then thinking what he spoke. So, when he speaks to Yudhishthira, he gives many, many different logics. And this shows how depth he had knowledge of in everything. He talks about how dharma is the basis of earth, Earth is the basis of dharma. He says, from dharma, earth should come. From earth, dharma should be saved. Otherwise, it results in karma. He knew exactly what is to be said. So, many of the scholars, they think that he did not have much knowledge. That is not true. He was very, very well versed in Shastra. And the only thing that he did not or do sometimes was to control his anger and and he knew that uh, many people they give the allegation that he is a Varakodara means he is a non-vegetarian but that is also not true not written by Vyasdev at least I can say that in the Vyasdev's record he was considered a totally vegetarian it doesn't make it important for us whether he's vegetarian or not, it doesn't matter to us. Well, he's a Dev Putra. Uh, but the, the fact is that he, Pandavas, they mentioned they died. Because Janmaje asked Vaishampayan that what did they eat? Well, generally, their ahar was Kandamul and uh, 
roots and fruits and leaves. This was the mostly ahar. And generally we also see that uh, Bhim is also very kind also. He doesn't want his any of the animals to be sacrificed. He is very much against, uh, like he tells to Jarasan, that you have practically destroyed all the animals here, which is not as per the Shastra. He says that. So if you look at his uh, eating habits also, which is Yazdev also mentioned that, that he was large eater, like the, he would, whatever food was got for the Pandavas, half was given to him. And the remaining half was shared amongst the four Pandavas, Kunti and Draupadi. That's how he used to eat. And uh, so in the incident of Rasu Yagya, many important logics is made, like the, the protection of Varnashram, protection of Artha, what is the meaning of Artha, what is the meaning of Dharma, and why you must act, Yudhishthira must act. But then Yudhishthira talks to him and says that you are talking like a small child. He says, during Rasya Yajna, we actually conquered most of the lands of the world and all those kings are our enemies now. And they have all joined the ranks of, joined the army of Duryodhana. How will you fight? So Bhim, Bhim always knew that if Krishna is on their side, nobody can defeat them. Because Krishna himself has defeated Jarasan so many times. So it is not possible for anyone to defeat. Jarasan was a gold benchmark of defeating anyone. If alone Krishna can fight with all the armies of Jarasan 17 times. So, from the Indian point of view, today's history, we forget that Jarasan had the same mindset of most of the Abrahamic invaders, Islamic invaders to India. But then, Jarasan was killed ultimately, he had to be killed for peace. He attacked Mathura so many times. Because Mathura is a region he could not conquer. So similarly, Hastinapur was never conquered by Jarasun, despite being such a strong king. In spite having his relationships with the family itself, Krishna's family. But still, he could not conquer. The reason is, that area has always remained like that. You know, it has changed hands many times, but not permanently. It has always come back to dharmic roots. Ayodhya was never conquered. Ayodhya was never conquered even till date. Again, Sri Ram Mandir is coming back. But Krishna shows his Krishnaniti that uh, ultimately it has to be killed. The, the finish, the problem has to finish at the root. And he successfully manages to kill Jarasana. Even in the fight with Jarasana and uh, Bhim, Bhim defeated Jarasana many times. 
many, many times. If you look at the present place of Jarasan, which is near Gaya, Gaya in Rajagir or uh, 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 what was the name? Rajagir it is called right now. Girivraj. Girivraj. Girivraj is the place which was the area of Jarasan. So the there the Jarasan was conquered and defeated over there. So Bhim took the clue from Krishna because he had to be thrown in opposite direction, otherwise the Jara, the Jara demon uh Ti, she was the one who was who had given the benediction that you cannot kill him. You have to throw in opposite directions his body to bifurcate into half because she had the one she had artificially created Tarasim. This is known as Jarasand. Means she had joined two parts of the body and then created him. So in the so when the uh, Jarasand Yudh was going on, then again he took a clue, clue from Krishna, follows it, and he defeats him. You know, that is the turning point for successful completion of Ratsu Yagya. After that, the Ratsu Yagya begins. Now, in the Mahabharat war, Bhim played a very, very important role because Bhim was himself responsible for it being the Yuvraj. He was kept around the district, not very far from him. And uh, so he was the last, you can say, bodily protection for Yudhishthir because Yudhishthir had to be protected at all times. He was supposed to rule the the world after Mahabharata war. So Yudhishthir tells him at one point that I can protect myself. You need to ensure that Arjun is protected because Arjun is the was the main Sinapati they had. Because Yudhishthir, Arjun was obviously had more divyastra or more potency to fight against the Kaurava in the combined way. And he was one single person standing in the way between Kaurava and Pandava. Kaurava and Pandava victory. So nobody was very doubtful about Arjun. But he had already defeated all of them. And Krishna was not supposed to take up any weapon. So Krishna was more of a moral support to them. So this shows many things about us. Because we all chant Krishna's name and we always say Krishna will protect us, Krishna will protect us. But if you look at the life of Pandava, Pandavas, they did not take their service from Krishna. They said, we are going to protect ourselves. That is not called ego. That is a dharma and karma. We have to keep Krishna in the mind and we have to fight with the enemies on the earth. Krishna can Krishna has his own time cycle of working. 
so when the time comes then only the earth will be annihilated not all the time before that we have to learn from pandavas and do, do our own duty that is the very weakness of today's devotees of krishna and today's devotees of shiva you know because we have forgotten our karma even bhim stops krishna he says it's our war means it's the war in the manushya you do have don't have to come you don't have to change your dharma for that because krishna or vishnu never gets involved in the earthly fight only in the in the case of only in the case of uh, if you look at the history only only krishna intervenes only for uh, very few places like he guides them but he doesn't even though he guides them but he does not he guides them but he does not intervene like he doesn't say that he is going to get the kingdom for them nothing nothing of that sort he just guides he makes sure that the pandavas follow their own culture and then pandavas they but he guides them you know there is a difference between krishna's protection and krishna's guidance Krishna is guiding them, but Bhim also forbids Krishna from uh, fighting because he doesn't want him to change his dharma. So Krishna definitely stays out and uh, just remains as a guide for Pandavas. So if you, so Bhim maintains his role, his duties. and he is also ready to take care of the kingdom should anything happen to yudhishthira so he is always declared as the heir so there is a succession plan also in the pandavas obviously nothing could happen to yudhishthira but still there is succession plan that there is a yudhishthira then bhim then arjun then nakul then sadhe and then rest five brothers had been in succession so bhim has played a very important role in mahabharat war and he teaches us that our karma is supreme even though bhim had the habit of speaking more than any other pandava because he had the right also some scholars they say that the bhim used to speak out of no it he his duty was to speak no other could no other person could speak in front of you just in terms of etiquette so in both ways he had the right to do what he was doing so i'll stop here if you anyone has any questions or comments you can ask me so bhim played a very important role in mahabharat war and his character is an inspiration for all of us and he was also well versed in bhagavad gita like anyone else at the pandava very well versed in yagyavalka that was that time it was called yagyavalka 
because this science was spoken to Yuswan and then Yajjavalka had put it down. So there, he was a devotee of Surya. Surya Siddhanta and knowledge of uh, Bhagavad Gita was always there in the society during that time also. Anyone has any questions or comments? Please share. Hare Krishna Prabhuji Pranam. Very nice class. Thank you. So Prabhuji, you were saying about uh, keep the Krishna in mind and fight the enemy. Like, what enemy like, basically you are referring to? Physical enemy for Sanatana Dharma. Devotee. Physical enemy for Sanatana Dharma. Like... Uh, like what is happening today also in the society. Yeah. So, so today also Sanatana Dharma enemies are there. A lot of enemies. So the same fight will never stop. This fight will never stop. Dharma versus Adharma fight will never stop. So Adharma, Adharma means like complete lawlessness which is going on in the western regions of India, in the west, outside of India, I'm saying, Bharat, Pura Bharat, if you look at all the countries west of India are totally adharmic. All the countries east of India, northeast of India are totally adharmic. I'm talking outside the current boundaries of India, adharmic. So that fight is going on. So until you install dharma there, fight is not going to stop. They need India to intervene, just like India had done during the Mahavara time also. And there's one very interesting thing he says, that we should never fight a war within our boundaries. So the fight should be in Uttarkuru and Turkiyamas. The fight to protect Aryabrat should be in very far areas so that those people don't come here. You see what I'm saying? So you can learn a lot of lessons from Mahabharata. Lot many lessons from Mahabharata. Okay, Prabhuji. Thank you. But Prabhuji, that is the fight that, you know, you're saying about the boundary of the, you know, the people who are uh, uh, not following the Sanatana Dharma. But many times, like we know, we hear in Wisconsin, like uh, people who practice Hinduism, like the people who are Hindu, they are also followers of Sanatana Dharma, but yes. they are being, uh, like, you know, uh, mocked at. Basically, oh, you don't read the Bhagavad Gita, oh, you know, you are not doing this correctly. So, there is a, there is a opposition within ourselves only, you know. So, instead of, uh, instead of like preaching to people who are not following whether, you know, Devi Deta or, you know, but instead of preaching to the others, there is an opposition within ourselves. So, what kind of message you want to give, like, you know, to the people, like, you know, usually they, they preach and they say, okay, Hinduism is doing this and that. But the majority of them are followers of Sanatana Dharma. 
Sanatana Dharma has a lot of different branches. At each of you, one of the branches you can follow, like Sankhya Yoga, anyone is following that. So those differences will always be there. That's the nature of Sanatana Dharma. So there will be always philosophical differences. But the unity among practitioners automatically comes when they are attracted from outside. So like when somebody else, like within the house also, your brother, sister, father, then you will, you will always, uh, you'll always have a uh, difference of opinion. And you might even have a serious difference of opinion between brother, father, you know, on, within the family. But when that family is attacked from outside, then all of the children have to become together again. Then the fight, then the, then you protect against the external opposition. So this is the principle of unity also. So if you want to maintain unity, then, then somebody else attacks from outside, then you have to protect, you have to unite to fight against that person. But Sanatana Dharma has always encouraged differences of, respected the differences also. Because everyone has their own karma and, has, and own differences. Sanatana Dharma doesn't uh, destroy them, doesn't, uh, doesn't say that you have to ignore the differences. No, those differences are maintained. But that is the beauty of Sanatana Dharma. That is not called disunity. So you'll, within the Sanatana Dharma, you will have differences. But when the external aggression is there, that time you unite against that external aggression. So dharma will always attack the entire Sanatana Dharma community, Adharma, Adharmic forces, which are today Abrahamic mostly. So Abrahamic word itself says people who do not follow Brahma is Abrahma. So the 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 unity you cannot have without a purpose. It doesn't make sense. So the, the, so the people who are protecting Sanatana Dharma have to accept the differences because every, Sanatana Dharma is so vast that you can approach Krishna in many different ways, not just one way. There is no one way. Understand that Japa is a common principle in Sanatana Dharma. Like everyone does that. Everybody has to do that. But it is not the only way. And uh, there are different Agnihotras are there, different different processes are there. So so we cannot impose that this is the only way, like not one mantra or this it is one of the like people sometimes people say that we have the Mahamantra. Mahamantra is referred to many names of Vishnu. Om Namah Bhagavate Vasudeva is also referred to as Mahamantra by Narad Muni. And uh, Om Mitraya Namah is also named as Mahamantra by Kashyap Rishi. Om Mitraya Namah. So there are different categories of Mahamantra. And Kaliuga has even given Hare Krishna Mahamantra. That is one of the mantras. Tukaram said Jajaram Krishna Hari. That is also called Mahamantra in Varkadi Sampradaya. So any name of Vishnu becomes the Mahamantra. But other, some people are respect the Devi Devta. And uh, those are also referred to as Mahamantra in their Sampradaya. So the diff- apparent 
differences within Sanatana Dharma are actually not any differences. Because any person who is knowledgeable will know that these are the valid paths of spiritual advancement. The, the, the attacks against Sanatana Dharma, like breaking down the temples, attack through media, attack through other countries who are opposing them, that is a major problem. And for that you need to understand from Mahabharata that how you have to maintain your physical strength, armed strength, military strength, and you have to fight in their territories where the dharma originates. That is the purpose of Mahabharata. Mahabharata's war was fight for this in brothers for 18 days in Hastinapur for the dharmic control. <coughs> but you will not find any other country attempting to attack Hastinapur during the Mahabharata war. Because, or taking advantage that these brothers are fighting, that is all attack. It did not happen. Because the armed forces, they were, they were a group of armed forces who completely controlled the boundaries of Bharat, Arevar. So the, the war which happened between brothers in Kurukshetra, even though it was huge war, but still nobody else could attack the boundary. You will not see any instance that Turkish are, Turkish are attacking the Kandahar during the Mahabharata. No, it didn't happen because the, um, they were very well protected. That's what I mean. Listen, we have forgotten all these things. Yeah, but Peace, the unity has to be there. Huh? Uh, I said, like, yeah, you're right. Um, unity has to be there. Um, without the unity, then, um, like, we cannot serve the Lord. Because we are all part and parcel of Krishna. We, we are part and parcel of all of us. Are. The whole world is part and parcel of Krishna. Mahavya Vamsa, Jeeva Loki. Jeeva Bhuta. Means all Jeeva, all all the species of life, 84 million species are all parts of uh, 84 Chaurasilag, 8.4 million species are part of Krishna, all of them. But some of them are Daku, some of them are Insak Pashu also. So you have to use appropriate dharma for them to control. And for Dasyu, the only way to control Dasyu is to attack them and then keep them under control. Do you understand, Prabhu? Yes, Prabhu. If today's modern society follows these principles of Mahabharata, then there will be no more attacks against Earth. No more. The problem is, Prabhuji, more and more people are turning like, you know, there is no God, there is no Bhagavan. So, they are not even believing the Mahabharata and all these uh, scriptures also. That's the main problem. No, those people are mostly in the media. That is not true because uh, those people are mostly in media. There is nobody in the world, entire world, who does not believe that there is a superior power. There is nobody. 
that's the thing. No, I mean, I have seen like probably in my daily life also, like not Indian people, not American, like who were born here. I mean, the people who are not following the Sanatan Dharma, maybe they are from Sikhism or maybe from like, you know, Jain or, or maybe the, even today is a youth also like in India. I mean, they don't trust God. They say, okay, there is no God. And uh, they just follow whatever the fact they are following. That's it. See, the, the Christian concept of God and demigod and we need to believe there is God, that is the church propaganda, generally. The Sanatan Dharma platform is we need to follow Dharma, the do the right thing. We need to protect Dharma. Dharma means the right thing. It is very different than God-based politics. Okay? The entire world was colonized yeah, that is by a, that is a propaganda. That is a Right. That's a propaganda by the churches and all these missionaries, they are, you know, opening... What they everywhere. did in the name of God, yeah. you know, I've written my last yeah. book, Gold, Glory and God, I've written very detailed what they did in the name of God. Hmm. It's a scary theory. It's a very scary aspect. So we, we have to which book uh, you are talking about? No. Gold, glory, and God. Gold, glory, and God. Okay. That's my last book came out in September, in which I have oh, I have maintained that I've I've done the research on the entire uh, world, and I've written the story of natives from the point of view of uh, what happened to them. The entire world. I mean, what happened to Australians, Aborigines, Maoris in New Zealand and different, different tribes of uh, India in the name of God is practically unthinkable. Unthinkable. So the word God is then naturally filled with histories like that. But our word is, our word is Bhagwan. Bhagwan is different. And, uh, and so we are not here. Bhagwan is not there to kill anybody or destroy people. And we we realize in three different ways. We realize in in uh, as a Bhagwan, as a Brahman, as a Paramatma. So all three are considered spiritualists. All three are considered to be on the spiritual path, Dhyatma. If, if Bhartiya or people who follow Dharma, they learn from Mahabharata, they will be never defeated. Never defeated. Tomorrow I will do the live show on uh, diplomacy, Dharmic diplomacy. You should attend that. It will be on YouTube live. There I am bringing out many points from my last book on Narad Muni tells Yudhishthir. So then you will understand what is Dharma mean. Yudhishthir was a practicing devotee, practicing bhakta. The whole Bhagavad Gita is about bhakti. And there, the kind of strategies that he uses most of the people do not follow. 
if you follow dharma the way you should follow it then they you will never be defeated nobody will be defeated bharat will be bharat is one land from burma to afghanistan is one land if you follow dharma then you will never consider a part of bharat is given to anyone else and the bhagavatam says one who considers the land as worshipable are like cows and asses and that is for the rishis because the rishis have to travel the entire world not just aryavrat land is definitely to protect the land if you have no land then what are you going to practice your culture the word demigod was used by the christian missionaries to call all the worshipable deities of natives as half god as compared to the christian god that was the reason demi means half half god our our definition is dev dev in greek it's called deus deus so dev is different than demigod demigod is a half it's like a pejorative term in english disrespectful term So, Prabhuji, if a demigod is given by the world is given by the missionary, then why this world is there everywhere in our scriptures? Because the the proper translation is there. These words. Yeah. Because so that Prabhupada. that means like you know, Parupad. That means Parupad ji gave the demigod, or was it already there? The demigod world actually already there before that. Cottage churches used it. It was very common in Calcutta. Hmm. Prabhupada used it to preach to the Christians. Yeah, because so many people, Prabhuji, who come new, like you know, they hear the lecture of uh, our classes, they oppose the word "Gandhi God" whenever it comes. So, and they get confused. What does that mean? And uh, uh, then yeah. they really don't like the word "Gandhi God." So. Yeah. When you preach to a Christian, then you use the word demigod, but not with the Hindus. Yeah, probably the thing is like when we read the scriptures, we just go by the flow. What is written? I mean, so when you read the reports, then you use it. Not mm-hmm. in the scriptures. Scriptures, the word demigod is not deva. Yeah, deva only in the reports. Yes, yes. Only the purpose, not in the shloka and the. and many yeah. of the purports that, in the proper were modified also later on yeah. but proper used the word demigod only for the white christian devotees nothing else no one else because they could understand the term dev, dev, demigod they would not they will not understand deva okay because when you are preaching to a christian he is already brainwashed with the term that there is only one god okay more they consider themselves superior to anyone else because they believe that there is only one god 
and therefore Prabhupada used the word demigod. So you do understand from Prabhupada's perspective also why he used it. But when we are preaching to Hindus only, then we only talk about Deva. Devta. Devta is a word used. So the word Deva in Shastra is used primarily for Vishnu. So there is only one Deva, which is Vishnu. But Devata means a follower of Vishnu. Okay? Devi means follower of Deva. So Vishnu has only, there is only one Deva in the entire creation, and that is Vishnu. But Devata means follower. Devi means follower. And Devi means the Brahma. So, so we have to understand the Sanskrit terms very well. So therefore, Prabhupada said it. You have to realizingly study the Shastra. But if you make the standard of his preaching, and if you think that only Devata is, Prabhupada is referring only to Devata, a demigod, then you will not understand completely. And that's why most of the people oppose the world, even within its also. A few years back, there used to be a huge movement in various temples in India. There was a huge movement to correct the books of Srila Prabhupada from the Hindu perspective. And even today, there is that movement is there. Even today. Thank you, Prabhuji. Hmm? Any other question anyone else No one has, then we'll stop the class here. Vancha Kalpatru Pesha, Kipasan Vesha, Paritanam Pavan, and the Thank you so much, Prabhuji. Hare Krishna.